0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Thank you, John. Uh, Chevy Chase Apartments has been on my list for a while to put in there, and I kept avoiding it because I thought it was a joke. And then I was driving down 63rd. Did you know that Chevy Chase Apartments is less than two miles from here on 63rd? And so let's continue to remember them in prayer. Amen? And so uh, let's lift them up. Well, we had a great service last week. In fact, had someone healed in last week's service. Had several people, uh, I believe, have a breakthrough last week. And so I'm excited. And we started a new series. And I, and, uh, I told you last week about some of the um, ologists out there. Let me tell you about some other ones. I, I looked up. Uh, some of them, how about an ophthalmologist? An ophthalmologist deals with the diagnosis and treatment of eye disorders. Some of you go to an ophthalmologist. And then I remember this one, and this is the one we don't ever want to go see because it tends to mean that we are having some serious medical issues. The oncologist, the uh, he oncologist or oncologist, I guess Okay, whatever, that long word right there, specializes in diagnosing and the treatment of cancer. And then how about an anthropologist? An anthropologist studies humans and their ancestors. And what I started thinking about was, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of physicians and scientists in those fields. But I am convinced that there was only one ever that walked the face of the earth that would fulfill the title of psychologist. Psychologist Jesus understood sick folks Jesus was constantly interacting with touching dealing with and ministering to sick folks and the interest I, th- I thought of two very interesting th- facts about jesus's uh, practice because Jesus was in practice he was in a he was a psychologist he was in the psychology practice he had two inter- interesting facts about jesus's practice number one that some of these uh that I told you about most of the doctors that we deal with now specialize in one area like cancer or eyes or whatever else that's their specialty but Jesus had this ability to deal with all sicknesses no sickness was too difficult for Jesus no sickness was off limits he could deal with them all he could deal with eye problems hand problems feet problems mouth problems attitude problems no, there was no area off limits. He had a wide range of specialties. And then I thought of something else about his practice that is interesting. It seems like that Jesus tended to deal with people who had long-term sicknesses. Uh, Y'all know anybody that's had a long-term disease? And a lot of times if they have a long-term disease, we give up on them because we come to this conclusion they're always going to be that way and they're always going to have that sickness and they're always going to have that problem and they're always going to be dealing with doctors. And Jesus had this ability to deal and it seems like he specialized and would deal with people who had long-term sicknesses like the man who was waiting by the water for 38 years or like the man who was lame for from birth, or like I thought of the young, the, the father that comes into Jesus and says, I need you to touch my son, because he, from the time he was born, he throws himself into the fire. Remember that story? Jesus had an ability to deal with long-term illnesses and diseases, and that brings us to today's portion of scripture, and so I want us to go into this portion of scripture. I know you know this story. I'm going to read it to you out of two different accounts, and out of it, I want to point out some sick truth together this morning. Listen very carefully in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34 says this. Says, "And a woman who had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse, having heard the things concerning Jesus, came in the crowd behind and touched his garment." For she said, If I touch but his garments, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her plague. And straightway Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him, had gone forth, turned him about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her, And that's interesting that he knew it was a woman. Nobody told him. He knew. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had been done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Then in Luke. The, great, the, the physician Luke, one of the disciples, recounts this story again in Luke chapter 8 verse 43 through 48. Listen very carefully because he has a little more information. He says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched, and Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng and pressed thee, and thou sayest, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody had hath touched me, for I perceived that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Some sick truth this morning. The first thing I want to show you out of this account is this, is that if we are not careful, our issue will define us. I don't know what your issue is this morning, but I've come to this conclusion. We all have issues. I know you look nice and pretty and you got your hair done all right and you're wearing nice clothes, but the reality for most of us is that we all have issues. And if we are not careful, our issue will define us. For instance... What was this woman's name? Nowhere in Scripture are we told. Was her was her name uh, Sue? Was it Martha? Was it Shania? Was it Shanika? Was it? Julie, was it Amber? We have no way of knowing because Scripture never tells us what her name is. In fact, in all of the accounts that takes place in, in, this, in Scripture, we read and all we find out is this is her description. She was the woman with the issue of blood interesting to me that the writer could just put it was the woman with the issue of blood and suddenly everybody knew who the writer was talking about it didn't say she was known by her skills she could really sing it doesn't say that she could she was known because she was talented with a sewing machine she was the woman that could sew it doesn't say that she was the woman known by her looks that was the beautiful woman that was the accomplished woman no the bible just says it was the woman with the issue of blood and they all knew who the writer was talking about why because her issue had defined her I was reminded in the New Testament of the story about blind Bartimaeus people knew him not because of his name they knew him because of the description he was blind Bartimaeus it's not the Bartimaeus over there it's the blind Bartimaeus and if we're not careful our issues will define us and what I've come to realize is that in our lives we become defined by what happened to us we 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 go through life and we meet people and 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 we don't even really know anything about them, but we make judgment calls on them because what they allow to happen is what happened to them ten or fifteen years ago becomes the defining moment of their life and that is what defines them for the rest of their life for instance, that's the guy who tried to commit suicide that's suicidal Steve that that that's that's the woman who had the abortion. That's that's angry Amber. We don't know anything else about her but her issue. That's that's the couple that got divorced. So that's crushed Carl and critical Kathy. That's the, that's the, the guy that sleeps around every weekend. That's wild Willie. That's the woman that is kind of loose. So we call her loose Lucy. And we don't know anything about any of them except this. We know about their issue. And their issue defines them. And... I wish I could say this wasn't true, but what I've discovered is that even in the body of Christ, as we begin to move amongst one another and as we get to know one another, if we could go around the room this morning, I could probably name some issues, and that would be what we would define you. We don't know nothing about you other than your issue, and we allow that issue to define you. And if you're not careful, you will allow your issue to define you. We check our history and allow our history to cause us to forfeit our future. Know anybody that's ever done that before? And so if we're not careful, the first thing that Jesus teaches us out of this passage of Scripture is that if we're not careful, what takes place in our own life is that our issues, those things, our hang-ups, our idiosyncrasies, our pain, our past, our hurts, our broken heart, if we're not careful, we will allow that thing to become the defining moment of our life. What defines you this morning? What defines you this morning? The second thing that we discover is that if we're not careful, not only will our issue define us, but it will also disqualify us. See, what we've got to understand is that this woman's issue, this sickness that she had in her physical body, not only did it define her and people knew her by that, but it also disqualified her. You understand that because of this situation, her physical condition, that law said that she could not go into the temple and worship because she was unclean. So not only did her issue define her, it disqualified her from having a relationship with God. She couldn't go worship. She wouldn't be allowed in here this morning. But not only that. According to Leviticus, what Leviticus taught in the Levitical law in chapter 15 verses 25 through 27 was not only did it disqualify her and disconnect her from God. Now we realize, if you go back and read it for yourself, that her issue not only cut her off from God, it cut her off from everybody else as well. She couldn't have a relationship with her husband. She couldn't hold her grandchildren. She couldn't play with her kids. She couldn't have any physical contact with her neighbor. Why? Because if she touched them, they became unclean. So she was totally disconnected and totally cut off from God and from man. And I wonder how many of us have allowed our issue, our defining issue to disqualify us. How many of you are sitting here this morning while everybody else is saying, how wide, how deep, I'm amazed by your love. You're standing there going, God, I can't even get close to you because of what happened to me. Because you let this happen to me, I'm disqualified from having relationship with you. And not only that, we allow what happened to us to disqualify us from relationship with one another. I can't get close to you because of what happened to me. You might hurt me like he hurt me. You might do to me what she did to me. I can't let my guard down. I'm disqualified from getting to know you. And so we're cut off from one another. Disqualified. Did you do you realize this morning that her sickness just didn't affect her? It, it affected all of her friends, all of her relatives. And I want to say something to you this morning. Your issue if you're not willing to get over it and not willing to allow the psychologist to deal with it, doesn't just impact you this morning. It has implications for everybody around you. And if you're not careful, it will disqualify you. I've heard it before. I can't I can't Steve you don't understand I can't work in missions because of what happened to me. Steve you don't understand I can't help with the young people because of what happened to me. I can't work in the nursery because of what happened to me. I can't get up and sing because of what happened to me. I can't be an usher because of what happened to me and we allow what took place in our life 15 years ago to disqualify us from being used by God, from having a close relationship with God or from having a close relationship with each other. How many of you are sitting in the room this morning right now and you're paranoid and you're fearful that the people in this room might hurt you? You never had any interaction with them to prove that, but because you were hurt so long ago, now you're making that same assumption about somebody else that they will destroy you because of what happened to you. I want to tell you this morning, if we're not careful, we will allow our issue to cut us off from God and from man. The third thing it does is if, if, we, if we're not careful, our issue drives us. It defines us, it disqualifies us. The preacher's coming out me, John, I got all the D's. It defines us, it disqualifies us, and it drives us. See, I think what happened is this this lady would get up every morning of her life and think about her issue. I think it's the last thing that went through her head at night when she laid her head on her pillow. I think she thought, I've got an issue. Can you relate to this, that for 4,000 380 straight days of her life, 12 years, she thought about her issue. I think she probably had come to the conclusion that she couldn't escape. I think she'd made up her mind it's never going to be any different. I think it's moments in her life when she was crying herself to sleep and longing to be in relationship with God and with man. There were moments when it got on her nerves and she thought about it and wished I could escape from thinking about it, but I'm always going to be sick. I'm always going to have this issue. And I think if we're not careful, our issue drives us to depression and drives us to stupid mistakes and decisions and our issue drives us to weeping, and it drives us, and it drives us to tears, and it, if we're not careful, our issue drives us. I wonder how many of us... While others are dancing and shouting and seeking God, and while others are having a breakthrough, and while others are having prayers a- answered, and while others are uh, ha- connecting with God and making friends and, and with people around them, I wonder how many of us, while everybody else is doing that, we're standing there and our issues going through our mind, and it's the first thing we thought of when we got up this morning, and it'll be the last thing we think about when we go to sleep tonight. When we lay our head on our pillow, we'll cry ourselves to see, sleep and say, "That's my issue, and I'm never going to be free, and I can't get away, and it's it's killing me." And I want to be free, but I don't know how to be free. And it drives us. Maybe you've never been there, but I've been there where there were issues in my own life that it was all I could think about. And I had no clue how I was going to get out. But not only did it drive her, I think it devastated her. Our issue can devastate us if we're not careful. Uh, you know, the, the word declares that this woman's issue had cost her everything. Go back and read it for yourself. It said it cost her everything. In fact, the word says that she spent everything she had. Everything. Think about that a moment. It cost her everything. She was devastated. She had tried. William Barclay, who is a, uh, a commentator, uh, he has a commentary on the word. He says that he discovered that there are 11 cures for this particular disease. Listed in the Talmud. And and they said there were crazy things you could do. For instance, one of the things that they said you could do, uh, they they had all kinds of tonics, they had all kinds of superstitions that you could try to do to get rid of this kind of thing. This is a couple things that they said you could do. They said you could carry the ashes of an ostrich egg. Think about that a moment. You could go find an ostrich egg and burn it to ashes and pick up the ashes and put them in a linen bag if it was summer. And you could carry them around during the summer. And if you would do that long enough, then you would be healed. But in the fall, you ha- or in the winter, you had to change it to a cotton bag. Crazy stuff. Then here's another one. This one's really crazy and kind of gross too. They thought that if you could go um, find a white female donkey and you could feed her barley corn, and once she disposed of that barley corn, Figure that one out. And you could dig through that and find that barley corn that she had eaten and digested. If you would carry that around, that would cause healing to take place in your life for this disease. You know what I think? I think she tried it all. I think she tried every bit of that. And we laugh and we go, ooh, that's gross. Ooh, that's silly. But don't we do some of the stupidest stuff? When we're devastated by our issue, because what we'll do we won't go dig in donkey stuff donkey dung that's a, say that we won't we won't go do that, but when our issue has depressed us, you know what we'll do? We'll go hang out with depressed folks. and, and when our addiction has broken our life, you know what we'll do? We'll go hang out with addicted folks. And we'll get in the mully grubs, and we'll get down, and we'll get aggravated and frustrated. This woman had tried everything, and I wonder how many of you sitting here this morning who have an issue in your life have tried absolutely everything. You've tried fasting, you've tried praying. You've listened to every CD anybody ever handed you. You've read every book, self-help book that everybody's handed you, and you still find yourself absolutely devastated. The other thing I know about this woman is this, because we, we know this because of what she did. The Bible says she snuck up on Jesus. Why did she sneak up on Jesus? Because she was embarrassed. She was ashamed. How many of us are ashamed that we're still dealing with the same issue we dealt with 15 years ago. How many of us have come to the altar multitudes of time and called out to God, and now we're embarrassed to let anybody know we're still dealing with the same issue that we dealt with then? It cost her her self-esteem. Why? Because do you realize that everywhere she went, she had to holler at the top of her lungs? Now think about this. Everywhere she went, She going grocery shopping, she had to do this. She's going to the library, she had to do this. She's just minding her own business, walking down the street. You know what she had to do? At the top of her lungs, she had to cry, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. You know what that's like? That's like you leaving this place this afternoon and walking through Walmart, yelling at the top of your lungs, I've got AIDS, I've got AIDS. Let that sink in just a moment of what would happen. That's what this woman Was dealing with. It cost her everything. What does it cost you? Friends, self esteem, confidence, victory. She was devastated. But I want you to notice something. Out of her devastation, we've got to learn this lesson. When we have been defined, when we have been driven, when we have become uh, devastated, when, when, when all of these, all these elements take place in our life and we're sick and we're tired of being sick and we're hurt and we're tired of being hurt and we're broken and we're tired of being broken, we need to learn from this woman. Because the final D is this. Not only was she defined, not only was she driven, not only was she disqualified, not only was she devastated, she allowed all that to produce in her desperation and this morning what I want to say to you is that this woman came to this place where she was at the point of devastation she or desperation she was so desperate you got to get this now she was so desperate to touch Jesus that she broke the law she was so desperate to get a touch and to get get somebody that could deal with her issue That she was willing to do whatever she had to do. She was willing to break protocol. She was willing to endure ridicule. She was willing to go by herself because where was her husband? Where were her friends? She was so desperate to get a touch from God that she was willing to risk everything. Do you know that most likely if they had known what she was doing, she could have probably been put to death? He was desperate. This is what I'm calling you to this morning. I understand that desperation is a dangerous thing because sometimes we do stupid things when we're desperate. But I want to tell you that there is a godly desperation that if we could ever get to the place where we were so desperate to get a hold of Jesus that we would forget about what everybody else thinks and we would forget about the fact that somebody might point fingers and we would forget about that somebody might laugh or we would forget about all of those obstacles and we would come to the place where we would push past who we're sitting next to, who we live with, who we're friends with and we would become so desperate for a touch from Jesus because I want you to hear me this morning if we could just touch Jesus our issue here's you another D would dry up and the reason that most of us continue to be defined and so, so many of us continue to be disqualified and so many of us continue to be driven and so many of us continue to be de- devastated is because we've never come to the place where we are absolutely desperate And so what we do is we allow peer pressure to keep us sitting down while we should be standing up. And we'll allow peer pressure to keep us in our seats when we should be at an altar. And we'll allow what people think about us to keep us in bondage. Or we'll allow our attitude, I'm never going to get over this. It's never going to change to keep us in so much bondage that we never push through. And I want to tell you something this morning. There is going to come a moment in your life where you are going to have to push through. Where it won't be easy to get to Jesus. You're going to have to work at it where you're going to have to push through what everybody else thinks. You're going to have to push past your husband. You're going to have to push past your wife. You're going to have to push past your friends and say, you know what, I am so stinking desperate to get to Jesus that I will risk everything to get in touch with Him. One old Southern Baptist preacher says it like this. Vance Havner was his name. He says this, Holy desperation is the door to God's greatest blessings. Those who proved him best in scripture were at the end of everything. Until you get desperate, you will always allow your issue to remain. This woman was so desperate that she did everything she had to do to get in touch with Jesus. And that's what I'm calling you to. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice two things. I want you to first notice that Jesus just didn't speak to her health issues. Did you notice that? When Jesus realized what had happened, he didn't just deal with her health issues. He dealt with her whole issue. Because he looks at her and he says, go in comfort and go in peace. He he says to her, be whole be healed of your physical condition but go in comfort and peace so he dealt with her her mind he dealt with her heart all the the self-esteem issues in one moment he dealt with everything and your issue may be a physical condition this morning your issue may be a spiritual condition this morning your, your issue may be a relational issue this morning but what i'm saying to you this morning is that if you could just touch jesus one time he can deal with it all in one touch And the second thing I noticed is this. This just caught my attention because we talked a little bit about this week. This past Sunday, we talked about this. In Luke, he says, when she realized that she could not be hid. You remember what I told you last week? What we hide, God cannot heal. There's going to come a moment where you're going to have to recognize that you're not hidden in your issue any longer and people realize it and God realizes and when he calls her out, she realizes I can't hide anymore. My issue needs to be touched. This is an odd message to preach in a, in a, in a church where we're all supposed to be saved, all supposed to be doing all right. This is just what I've discovered in my own my own experience with God and my own experience with people is that we all have issues hear this statement and we all allow them to rule our lives way too long we ought to know where to run so why do we run the other direction because we don't want to appear desperate the times that God has touched me in my spirit and done things in my life and changed my life and changed my heart more than any other moment in my whole life you know when it was When I was at the point of desperation and I had nowhere else to turn. I hope that's where you are this morning because that's the only place that you can get to. And be changed. Father, this morning. Under the sound of my voice, I believe that there are individuals. Who have become defined by the issue of their heart and life. Father, I believe that there are folks sitting under the sound of my voice. They look right. They sing right. They act right. But the reality of their life is that they are defined by the pain of their life. They've been broken. They've been hurt. They've been done wrong. They've been dealt a bad hand. And what took place in their life has defined them. And because they're defined by that, now they're disqualified. There are folks under the sound of my voice this morning Father I believe that have come to this conclusion I cannot get any closer to God and I cannot get any closer to anybody else because of what took place in my life and Father I know there are folks that are driven in here and I know there are folks that are in here that are devastated they're broken in their spirit they have it's cost them everything and they don't know what they're going to do And this morning, I pray that what you would do is that a holy desperation would come over us and we would be willing to risk everything. We would be willing to risk ridicule and we would be willing to risk protocol and we would be willing to risk people making fun of us and the shame that may be a part of that. Father, I pray that we would become so desperate that we would push past and allow your deep and your wide love to change us. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me this morning? I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you've been through. I just know this. We all have issues. And if we're not careful, if we don't have an encounter with the psychologist, we will allow that issue to define us, to disqualify us, to drive us, to devastate us. But the most important D of the whole thing is are we willing to allow that same issue to produce in us a desperation that causes us to push past what we have to push past to get to Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, nobody looking around. You say, Steve, I have an issue in my life uh, and I recognize this morning that I've been defined by it and I need help. I realize that there's something going on in my life that That if I don't get in touch with Jesus, it's going to devastate me and it's going to disqualify me. And I'm not going to be everything that God's called me to be. That's who, that's where I'm at. I am, I'm at that place that I need to touch him because I know if I can touch him, everything will change in one moment. If that's you, just quickly, will you pull your hand, put, put your hand in there. Yes, there's one, two, anybody else that would raise their hand? Yes, three, anybody else? Yes, four, anybody else that says, I've got an issue this morning. I've got an issue this morning and I need help. Would you do me a favor? Would you lift them up one more time? Hi. So so we can pray right now. Come on. Now reach out next to you right now. Reach out next to you and lay your hands on each other right now. You're going to be the Jesus to them this morning. You're going to be the point of contact for those that raise their hand there's people around you standing right now that have their hands raised. just reach out and touch them right now let's begin to pray the prayer of faith over them father right now i pray that as a point of contact it's as if they're touching the very him welcome to passion for more information about passion please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv now let's join the service already in progress